Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And welcome to another episode of the Beer Ladies Podcast. I'm Lisa, and I am your host this episode. So hello. And we are going to be diving into ice beers, wit beers, all that good stuff. We'll talk, we'll talk a lot about sort of what else is in the wheat beer family, although we're going to have some guidelines as well. We're not going to go into everything because there's so much we could cover. But I am joined this week by Katie. Hello, Katie. Hello. And by Tandy. Hello, Tandy. Hello. Wonderful. So that said, before we dive into it and before we find out what we're drinking, I want to give the general plea to like, subscribe. We are on all of the socials, on uh, all of your platforms out there, and we are very, very close to getting our vanity URL on YouTube. So even if you don't watch us there, please go ahead and subscribe. We would love to get that so that we're easier to find. And it really does help. So like, subscribe, share. Uh, at Beer Ladies Pod in most places, but you guys who are regular listeners, you know where we are by now. So thank you again for that. And with that said, we will dive into what are you drinking? So Katie, let's start with you. Well, I am going for a a, a classic. Uh, can you see me? Ah, I'm drinking, yeah. mm. yes, a whole garden with beer. Okay. This Very is good. an amazing, it's an amazing beer. It's a lovely beer. And I also have matching glassware. Oh, you one proper glassware. Good for you. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. And how about yourself, Tandy? So I was um, badly organized. <laughs> so I, I would love to pretend that this is some sort of a Dunkelweiss, but it's not. It's a homebrewed stout. And <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I've got. So it's just a homebrewed stout, a nice little oatmeal stout that I made. And, uh, yeah, I I, I gave my last bottle of my vice, my last uh, uh, vice away a couple of weeks back. So fresh out. Anyway, Uh, I love this. uh, I love wheat beers. So I'm very chuffed that we're going to be talking about this. Wonderful. So I have uh, the St. Bernardus Vip, so very traditional Belgian-style Vip beer. So we'll dive into a little bit about what that means and a little bit about how all of these different wheat styles are related, but not necessarily siblings, as it were. There, there's quite a bit of variation. So I thought I would kick us off before we dive into the history of uh, these sort of, again, different but related beer types. When did everyone sort of first come across a, a wheat beer? We'll, we'll make it a broad church here, any, any kind of wheat beer. So maybe, Tandy, we'll, we'll start with you this time. Mm-hmm. 
That's that's a really good question. Um, I think that one of my first wheat beers was a Crystal Vice. That um, yeah, so 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 it was by a brewery in South Africa called CBC, their craft brewing company, very original. Um, and that was one of their core beers, and they were one of the first craft brewers um, in South Africa, really. And and they're one of the staples. Um, I don't really ever have memories of drinking anything like blue moon or any of those because they weren't in South Africa. So I think my first, my first wheat was, was, yeah, it was a crystal vice by CBC. And I thought it was interesting. Like it just tasted different. Yeah. And a crystal vice. I feel like there aren't as many of those about that's interesting. Hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Wonderful. True. And Katie, how about yourself? So um, when I was 19, I did an Erasmus year in Berlin. And oh my god, amazing German beers! <laughs> and I, I, I like, I was like fascinated because they have the, you know, the the tall uh, mm. glassware, and you would see just people sitting outside in the summer with their lemon in it, and it had a nice frothy head. And I tried it, and I loved it, and I was like, why don't I have any of this in Ireland? You know, um, so that started me on a love of wheat beers. Um, I was very I had a boyfriend who was Belgian so went to Belgium they have all really nice uh wheat beers as well and then uh came back to Ireland there weren't that many and then uh when I was in Portland there's a a good style there Vidmer Hef Vidmer Hefeweizen mm. so mm. Vidmer are a brewery they they're the official brewery I think of the Portland Timbers <laughs> <laughs> and their signature one of their signature beer would be the Vidmer Hefeweizen so it was it's big up there in the Pacific Northwest anyway and I just I just love the style and I just think it's a bit forgotten about by Irish breweries but um mm. I have managed to find find a few here and there yeah absolutely we'll talk about that a little bit because I think there's there's something interesting there and and for me uh going back to your Hogarden Hogarden was definitely the first one I came across and again this is going back a long ways now um you know in the 1990s I was living in London I was a student but similarly Belgians took me under their wing and were like no, no, don't, you know, don't be getting your vodka and coke. No, no, we can, we can do better. And they introduced me to Hogarden and they're like, it is a white beer. And I was like, I don't know what any of this means, but sure. But they, you know, sort of led me down the garden path in a good way, uh, you know, discovered Hogarden. Uh, and this was right at the time too, when um, Hogarden had, had, I guess, just at that point been bought by what would become InBev, but wasn't InBev yet. And you know, I, I feel like there must have it must have been already in air quotes going downhill because I could get it in the student union for a pound a pint, so it couldn't have been that great at that point. But for me, it was it was really a, a revelation, and I didn't you know know enough that I should be judgy about who who owned it at that point uh, as a as a thing that we know beer people like to do. And I think we'll we'll get a little bit more into this in, in the history of sort of you know sort of is Hogarden kind of that template for big beer coming in and again air quotes ruining uh the the sort of interesting craft beer but we'll we'll talk about that but we'll sort of dial it all the way back first so there's you know obviously wheat beer going back to at least 3400 bc you know the sumerians are making you know making beer from wheat the egyptians are it even comes up in the code of hammurabi but that's you know about 1700 bc talking about you know how you make and dispense beer made with wheat but very much we're, we're going to focus kind of on, on your Belgian ones, uh, your, your German ones, and then a little bit or sort of, I feel like what's come into the sort of miscellaneous sort of American wheat <laughs> category. We, we can kind of throw everything and the kitchen sink in that one to a certain extent. But 
I think maybe uh, Katie, going over to you, what, what did you know kind of about, or what did you discover about sort of the history of maybe the German ones? Well, we'll start there and I can always fill in as needed. So uh, German wheat beers. So um, there's, 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 there's a quite a few of them actually. And uh, I found that it kind of, it varies geographically slightly as well. Um, so you have the Hefeweizen, which everybody knows. So the word Hefe mm-hmm. means yeast and Weizen means uh, wheat, wheat. Yeah. And they're all commonly known as Weissbier, which is a white beer, which is similar to the Belgian wit beer or in Fr- French, it's beer, beer blanc or something mm. like that. Oh. Yeah, they're the only ones who don't have the, the W in it. They, they go their own way. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, so that is is the main one. Then you have the Dunkelweiss, which is where they, what, they roast the malt to give it like the, the different, the darker color, but it still has a lot of the Hefeweizen flavor. You also have the Weizenbach. Mm. Mm. <laughs> you both oh, love mm. a good one. A good one. And then there's like the Berliner Weisse, mm. which is uh, like a sour beer, but it's it's brewed with wheat. And then also in like around Leipzig, they have their own goose, which is a, a, a wheat goose. But they add, I think it was, they add salt. Oh, that's yep. a goza, yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. Mm. So it's like all over Germany, they were they were doing uh, stuff with wheat. And I think um, there was... The Reinheitsgebot, I don't know, does it allow wheat? Well, and it, it does not. And it is sort of a political response to one family really having so much power brewing wheat beers that, you know, other sort of German princes are like, hang on now and try to kind of shut that down. So it's it's fascinating that, you know, you, you, the, the sort of the sort of myth version is, uh, you know, there wasn't enough wheat to make bread. Well, there wasn't enough wheat to make bread and make a profit for a particular set of sort of these different German princes. So it's, there's actually a whole rabbit hole you can go down um, sort of studying the family that just controlled all of this, especially in the sort of 16th and 17th centuries, there's all kinds of political marriages and all of these things all about controlling essentially the wheat beer trade and distribution. And then everyone else comes in and is like, no, 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 we're not going to do this, but they still, were allowed to do it they just maintained this uh essentially this monopoly on it and it's, it's fascinating how much this goes into sort of um you know the politics of it and it, this is you know over hundreds of years that it, it carries on and it's it's fascinating and they don't I, I wish we knew more about kind of you know exactly which ones were they doing like we know that yeah. they were probably brewing something like a, like a half of bison or similar probably would have been darker like a Dunkelweizen I love a good Dunkelweizen myself Same. but it's mm. you know we, we just don't know enough about what they would have looked like they wouldn't have been in a pretty clear glass so you know I'm sure they weren't you know that sort of yellow frothy kind of color we see now but uh, it is a fascinating story and it doesn't really I'm trying to think of a, of a good uh, phrase for it it's very much its own thing it, it's sort of very insular but also it, it gets traded and you know, goes all over the place. So I, I don't know, T- Tandy, what, what have you found? I, and there's obviously its own brewing methods too. It's very distinctive. Yeah. So, Well, before we get onto that, I, I'm confused. Okay. Uh, just help me out here. So the Reinheitsgebot, right? It, it, it didn't allow for wheat because wheat was supposedly for beer. So what came first then? B- beers brewed with wheat, the Reinheitsgebot, which I know was also local, you know, only to Bavaria, but how does it all fit in with each other? It's a really good question. Uh, there's definitely 
also beer just made with barley. There's beer made with barley and with wheat, probably some other grains too, really, whatever you could ferment, oats, things like that. But I guess it was just less common in, in Germany or what would become Germany, uh, especially to be throwing the oats in because they don't outlaw it. So you kind of get, I guess, that it wasn't a, a problem, again, in, in air quotes, the way they do sort of semi-outlaw the, the wheat. Uh, so it's, it's an interesting question and it's all very... I think we're, what we're seeing is very local patterns of production and consumption and mm. people wanted to control that trade. So if you can sort of say, ah, oh, no, here we only do it this way, you know, you're sort of changing the production yeah. style. So, yeah. I found that like, it's like um, there were the, the kind of the more the more regional you got. Yeah. It, it seems like where where um, central. I mean, what was it? What was it? Prussia? No, it wasn't Prussia. What was it before it was Germany? So a lot of this is, we're looking at Bavaria again, where lagers yeah. are going to, you know, become, you know, number one, and is effectively going to crush wheat beer later uh, when we get into really the 20th century uh, until it makes a resurgence, as so many of these very localized styles do. But uh, yeah, it, it's fascinating that, you know, there are all these very almost sort of hyper-local. Yeah, they, they were drinking local. That was what they were doing. So. Yeah, and uh, and um. I suppose places further away from the capitals and stuff were just doing their own thing and they were like brewing with wheat even though they weren't supposed to and uh because that's what they'd always done yeah yeah you know exactly so yeah you could come in and tell them there's new law and they'd be like oh sure okay yeah whatever carry on yeah (laughs) absolutely I think think we need to do an episode on Reinhardt's Geburt like just just actually how it came about and, um, ah, and, what it, and, what, and what it actually affected and what it didn't, because it's fascinating again to me that, that a country that is really well known for its wheat beers also had this law <laughs> against yeah. using wheat. Like it's it's bonkers to me. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And, and that's the thing. You go into any, you know, any German beer hall anywhere in the world, not so much in Germany, but anywhere outside of Germany, they'll all have the Reinheitsgebet up, up on a wall somewhere. And uh yeah. I mean, it, as we know, as we talked about before, it, it doesn't mention yeast either, but, you know, obviously mm. it was uh, it was in there. And, and I, I think oats, too, are maybe kind of one of the big uh, sort of unsung heroes. Like now everyone's throwing oats in, but they must have been doing it, certainly in the medieval period, maybe less as it got into more sort of mechanization. But, you know, the fact that no one says anything about it is interesting. Like, is it because they were yeah. using a lot of it or none of it? It's uh, it's a mm. question. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, let me give a let me give a bit of an overview then on like the different kinds of wheat beers and what you might look for when you're tasting and brewing them. So, I mean, Katie, you gave you gave a lovely overview of the of the different styles. I mean, yeah. in in my in my head, and I know it's uh, there, there are families kind of of wheat mm-hmm. beers, but there are you know the German wheat beers is your vice. Those are the ones that typically taste like banana or clove, um, or a balance of both. Because I mean, that's really mm-hmm. what you're looking for. And sometimes bubble gum, sometimes a little bit of vanilla. So those those are brewed with um, 50% or more wheat in the grain bowl. Normally, it's a mixture of wheat, uh, wheat and pulsner malt. Um, I've, I brew mine at about 50-50, but I know a lot of people who go upwards, you know, even 70% wheat um, to make to make their vice beers. Now, those flavors that... Um, banana and clove that you get from a from a vice a german sort of hefeweizen or a wheat beer is from the yeast mostly ah, it's yeah. actually not it's not from the malt so it's a really interesting thing because when you go on the other end now of the family like the american wheat beers because they use a different yeast they're a totally different beer they're made also with wheat so 
any part of your of your grain bill can be wheat, I guess, but for it to be a wheat beer, it's got to be a significant part. So at least thirty percent should be should be uh, wheat normally, and um, those beers, American wheat beers, are hoppier. Um, they're made with wheat, which will add its own flavor, like its own almost bright citrusy kind of flavor. And um, and and they're because they've got a different yeast. They'll use a clean yeast, like a clean mm. sort of American yeast. That's why they don't taste anything like a vice or a vit. And it's the same with a vit. You know, a vit being being sort of the Belgian version, it's got more of a taste of coriander and orange peel. Now, sometimes that's added. I mean, it's often added into the boil to give it those flavors, but sometimes it also comes a little bit from the yeast. So really wheat beers are interesting um, because you get some flavor from the wheat, but actually it's the yeast that does a lot of the work. Um, and as you'll hear, as you'll have heard in our yeast um, uh, episode, yeast is like the unsung hero of everything and yeah. especially wheat beers. Like it's, it's, it's um, very, very important. I'm wondering um, like does wheat, um, malt ferments slightly different with the yeast. Is that why you you pair them separately, or what would happen if you used a, an all, say, barley malt with a uh, hefeweizen yeast? That's a good question. Mm. I think if I if I just think about it a little bit now, what wheat adds is it adds like a protein content, it adds haze, and it adds uh, that that kind of like cloudiness that you get in vice and wheat beers. That's normally down to the wheat. Sometimes it can be down to oats in other styles because mm-hmm. it's also yeah. like a like a higher protein kind of grain, I guess, and it, and it floats like suspends those proteins suspend, and that's now the difference again between crystal vice and a normal vice is that it's filtered out. So that's why crystal vices are clear, even though they've got all the same flavors as as vice beers. Very odd. I don't know, Katie, but I think if you brewed with barley and then you used a a vice yeast like a, a German Hefeweizen yeast. You might get some of the flavors, but I don't think you'd get the appearance yeah. at all. And maybe you won't get um, the darkness. Because I think wheat also adds a slight amount of acidity, I think. Yeah, it's an interesting question. And, and going back to the idea of, you know, the American wheats, like you say, they don't have that sort of banana and clove profile, probably because a lot of them do have a higher barley, um, you know, malted barley grain mm. bill as well. They tend to have Yes, they tend to have a lot of wheat and certainly there's a lot of variation, but they tend to be more of a mixture. And I wonder if that also does contribute, although, like you say, it's it's the yeast that's really the, the workhorse, because if we think about the Belgian Vitz, that's unmalted wheat you're using, but that's not what's making it different. Like you say, it's the yeast that's really adding that, you know, that mm. sort of coriander and uh, all of yeah. those other other qualities, although they look similar. So, so in the Belgian Vitz, though, is not going to have that very fluffy head that you mm. get on your German vice beers. Um, I mean, you can you can certainly have a good you know white head and some lacing, but it's not going to be that very sort of soft and fluffy. It's a little bit more astringent yeah. and uh, thinner, yeah. but yeah. In, in a refreshing way. And I was it's, reading up there are like videos on a how to pour your hefeweizen <laughs> from yes. the bottle, um, so that your head doesn't take over the whole glass. I suppose. Oh, you know, we've all been there and done that. Well, I have anyway. Oh, it's, absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting because when you, when you pour when you pour a vice, like 
I think traditionally you pour some and then you let it settle again and then you pour the rest in to actually get the rest of the sediment in. Like, you know, with, with other um, bottle conditioned beers, you might try and avoid that sediment at the bottom just because it will, you know, can upset your stomach and various things, but not bad for you. It's just, you know, yeah. it'll make you, it'll make you regular the next day. But <laughs> and with, with Hefeweizens and they're, they're generally bottle conditioned. That's one of the other kind of things about them. You actually want that sediment. It adds to the soupy slurry weird mix of deliciousness that comes yeah and in one of the one of the 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 pieces that i was reading it was like you you kind of you hold your glass practically horizontal and your bottle practically horizontal (laughs) and you pour and then when you you've got a a tiny little bit left at the bottom they were like you roll the bottle on the table yeah swirl it (laughs) and then you pour it to get a nice so yeah yeah Yeah. and 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 on the on the belgian side the allagash allagash white which is one of my favorite beers in the world just so good um and they've been going in the states since about 95 96 ish they have a whole video as well on how to get that last bit of yeast from the bottle in and how you want to wake it up and make sure it's you know Mm. well not active in the sort of active fermentation sense but active in the sort of oh we're awake we're doing something uh sense when you pour it into the bottle and they have a lovely video on how to how to pour it for, for your Belgian bit beer but it's uh again it's a little bit of a different uh, different use case if you like but similar results mm. but and it reminds me a little bit of Guinness you know you let it yeah. settle yeah 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 absolutely and it does it feels part of it you know the way that you pour it you pour it in two steps like it just yeah. feels part of what you must do <laughs> with, yeah. with, with, with one of those beers now i wouldn't do that with a with an american wheat but those to me yeah. are really interesting beers too because um whatever the wheat is adding and i think it is just a little bit of acidity it's a bit of protein it's a bit of a creamier mouthfeel there's a few things that 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 wheat will add but i think it goes really nicely with the kind of citrusy hops that you often see um or find Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. 
absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. An American wheat beer, it's a beautiful beer, or beautiful beer style. It's lovely when it's done right. Well, yes, when it's done right. I think, I, I feel like even before we got into the, the, the milkshake IPAs and things like that, there was a trend, I would say a few years back, that maybe people didn't notice as much to throw whatever crap you had sitting around your brewery in your American wheat ale just uh, for lulls. And so, you, you know, that could be whatever fruit you had. Sometimes that was good and other times not, not so much. But I, I think that was kind of the almost the training ground, if you like, for that trend that we're still seeing now where, oh, you know, stick it in, what could go wrong? Um, and I see, <laughs> I see less of it now. So I wonder if maybe the maybe the uh, the wheat beers were just a little bit too delicate, perhaps, to have that kind of, you know, yeah. harder to hide your mistakes than with, a, you know, a 7% IPA. But yeah, mm-hmm. and I do like I used to drink uh, uh, a local Raz wheat in up in Portland it was absolutely gorgeous actually it was lovely but yeah they did yeah they did try lots and lots of different weird stuff yeah yeah and I think a lot of those maybe never made their way over to to Europe maybe for obvious reasons I don't know how well they would (laughs) ship Uh, I don't know if you would have had that exploding can thing that you've uh, had in the last couple of years but uh, I don't know very very strange thing and you know next year it'll be a different style that we're throwing everything in but you know It'll just keep evolving. But going back to, to the, the Belgian Vits, I, I think, you know, they, they we know they go back at least to sort of the 13th or 14th century, maybe a little bit earlier, starting with, um, you know, your, your sort of monastic brewing as so much other, you know, Belgian brewing does. But it's interesting how you can really credit one one person with keeping it alive. And now it's, it's such a huge, vibrant style again. So I think to just recap for those who don't know very quickly, you know, up until the 1960s, Hogarden was kind of the last one standing and it was going under effectively, but uh, Pierre Kellis, and I hope I'm saying his name correctly because my French and my Flemish are both not so good, but basically went in, revived the brewery and kept it going using, you know, the recipes he'd known working in the brewery as, as a teenager, you know, in the 1940s and 50s and, you know, going great guns. And then the brewery burns down. And that's when you first get uh, the, the precursor, if you like, to, to InBev coming in and saying, look, here's some cash, we'll help you rebuild. They do that, but then they want to have a lot more control and things start going south. Uh, it's all, it, it is, you can actually see them, you know, saying, oh, no, we don't want to have these, you know, these ingredients anymore. We want it on the cheap. He sort of walks off in a huff, quite, quite rightly too, moves to Texas and opens his own brewery doing the same thing which then eventually goes under but that got Hogarden out there in the world so as much as you can kind of uh you know be annoyed on one hand at your at big beer coming in and making things not as good people also discovered it so it, it's it's sort of a double-edged sword and uh, it's it's fascinating now that his the, the brewery he started in Texas went under but now his daughter has revived it it's still going in Austin Texas it's also I think having some financial trouble but it's using the old school recipes and I, I went back to my uh my michael jackson great beer guide and they mm-hmm. have both the original hogarden and uh the kellis white that he was making in texas are both sort of singled out for being fantastic beers so i think it's you know really a, again a testament to like what, what one person can do with really wanting to 
to move mm. it forward. And, and then, you know, you see what sort of come from there with, again, like Allagash White being inspired by that and being just a, a phenomenal beer, which I wish we could get here. Apparently you can get it in the UK. So don't know why they're not shipping it to us, but. Well, we are going to have to get Carolyn on this. Yes. She is going to have to go buy a crate and ship it over to us for research purposes, obviously. Research. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Now that she's in (laughs) Texas, she can just go do some, um, some investigation for us. 100%. (laughs) But it's so interesting to me too, again, that it's, um, Again, it's such a, it goes back from being this big mega thing to being this small, locally produced, you know, sort of artisanal product. But I also feel like there was a time in maybe the the late 90s, early 2000s when, you know, a Witbeer, and it was a Witbeer specifically versus uh, versus Hefeweizen, although I'll come back to that because Widmer is uh, important. Uh, That was kind of what every American brewery had after they had their amber and their stout. And, mm. you know, all their sort of intro beers, they would have a Vit beer in the summer. In fact, I'm, I'm wearing my, my Victory Whirlwind Vit uh, shirt right now, which now they only have as a seasonal. So it's, it's interesting that I think, uh, to a certain extent, uh, Allagash has been sort of so dominant in the craft beer scene that everyone else is like, do, do we bother making one? I, I right. don't know. You know, they're just laughing out of the park. I've never tried Allagash um, uh, with like, wit beer, um, so I have no idea. But you don't see them very often anyway. You know, you see no. Hogarten, you see Blue yeah. Moon. Yeah, and that's that's a whole other interesting thing too, which again, about yeah. the same time, you know, sort of mid-1990s is when they start experimenting with it. And then because of the the, the power of, you know, that, that parent company, they, they get it out there and they sort of popularize, you know, putting that orange slice in and uh so where do we stand with that do we put orange (laughs) in do we put lemon in what do we do it's a funny thing because the the oxford companion to beer and i think that particular entry was written by garrett oliver uh in conjunction with someone else they are very disdainful of this they're oh no 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 so excuse me whereas i'm like let's not harsh someone else's buzz if someone wants to throw it in there you know why mm. not? You know, even if it's not, you know, traditional. But uh, that said, I feel like you need it if you're having the Blue Moon, because I think it's so sweet. You need something in it to kind of temper that a bit. Yeah, because I feel like you don't have that with your Allagash White. But again, you want to throw some fruit in, you know, go go for it. All all good. Or certainly with yeah. even an original. Another one that I found that was quite common in the U.S. was Shock Top, which is another. Oh, yeah. And that one is just bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's so sickly sweet. Uh. Oh, but but these yeah. these styles these styles are not meant to be sweet anyway. You know they're meant to be very delicately balanced between yeah. the breadiness that comes from the wheat and the different grains, and it's got to actually have that bready character. It can't be it can't be missing that. It can't be so bananary or so clovey or yeah. so coriander, so orange. Like it has to be so finely balanced that it's one of those things. It's another one of those kind of German engineering beers in a way <laughs> that it's actually so. It's uh, it, it's not harsh or, or or tilted in any one way. It's just a little delicate balancing act, and and it's weird to me. Like like when you find um, people homebrewing various uh, of these styles, whether it's a uh, Witz or or Weisbier, you often find like they're very heavily weighed in the one side yeah. or the other side. Um, I don't know where I was going with that, but yes, that's uh, that's what I want to say. It's very delicate. So so the idea that something is sweet. 
um, whether it's a blue moon or whether it's another one, that's wrong. That's just that's it's just not the way it's meant to be. Exactly, know? exactly. And I think, and, and to go back to, you know, we'll go back to sort of the German style. I was doing a little bit of digging because, you know, the, the Widmer pyramid, you know, in the Pacific Northwest is certainly kind of the first one that really took off. But I also noticed there were a couple going sort of from the end of Prohibition, especially up in kind of the upper Midwest until kind of the 1980s that were still making or kind of what we'll call old school Hefeweizens up until, you know, sort of 86, 87. But, you know, before in a sort of pre-craft beer period, they were still just old school sort of German style breweries. And I wondered, do, do people you know, have fond memories of those? Like what, what happened to them? Because they seem to have just sort of died out. And then, then when you get, um, actually Anchor comes in and makes a, a wheat beer in, I think the kind of, again, the early eighties, they'll say, oh, we were the first to make a wheat beer in America Prohibition. It's not quite true. I see where they were going with it. It's not quite true. There were these others that were carrying on as sort of legacy brands. But but again, it's it's interesting that I feel like the the German style ones are much harder to find now in the states. They tend to be the Belgian really? inspired, with the exception of the you know Pyramid uh, Widmer, you know, in the Pacific Northwest and in some places here and there. Again, that typically had German populations. Uh, Victory Brewing in Pennsylvania. Not only do they have a great victor, but they have a lot of, um, you know, they, they do have a vice beer. They more a Dunkelweizen too, actually. That's phenomenal. But again, it tends to be a seasonal thing. It's not mm-hmm. year round, but it's 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 in it's very sort of uh, in pockets, at least in the states. And it's again just was there a German population? Yes, no. So it's it's very different. Whereas the Vic beers, maybe because of your blue moons and shock tops, are everywhere. They're not all good, but <laughs> they're that's out so there. interesting. Whereas I feel like. Um, I'd I'd probably have an easier time finding a vice beer than finding a vit. Like I th- I don't think vits are very common. No, here I, I did some I did some asking around, and um, Meskin has one. Um, uh, Western Herd has one that's going to come out in the next couple of weeks again as a seasonal. Yeah, but they have backbeat. It's it's been out a while, so they yeah. yeah they do brew it. I think every year. Yeah, it's but there really just good. aren't as many. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. No, and and, and I get that. I, I get that it might only be a seasonal because, again, if it's in the middle of winter, do you do you want a sort of lovely, light, delicate thing or do you need something a little more uh, bracing? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but I, I do think there is room here to have more, like your Dunkelweizen's, like that would be lovely in winter to have something that had that kind of warm, fluffy Ooh. feeling yeah. about it. Oh, but, I love Dunkelweizen. So mm-hmm. White Gypsy brew a Hefeweizen? Ah, lovely. Interesting. Are, uh, and what they're saying is a slight twist on the Germanic classic wheat beer <laughs> with the addition of rye malt. Ooh. Gives a drier, lighter flavor profile and it's very refreshing on warm, sunny days. Yeah, Ooh, that suck- makes sense. I'm a sucker and, for rye. So and then, you know, certainly we have plenty of sort of American style wheat. You know, Hope has just the, the grunt is just straight up wheat beer and that's good stuff. It's, it's really nice. Ooh. And yeah, I man. have a. Equinox, it's the metal man refreshing wheat lager. Mm. A wheat lager. Okay, wheat so I'm lager. glad you raised that. I'm glad you raised that because that's something that you don't see very often is wheat added to a lager. And I guess it's because it will generally add that haze, you know, it's got that it's got that cloudiness. Um you know, wheat will add that. And you don't often see a cloudy lager. <laughs> you don't want um. it kind of not to start. But I wonder what it adds. Because it well, is the, a bready character, so maybe it adds a lovely taste to a lager, and maybe it's filtered. Mm. Oh, I can pour it out in a sec. So it's it's got. They've also added orange, lemon, and coriander. 
interesting. They're really kind of crossing. They're crossing the streams. Yes. Yes. Interesting. Mm. Mm. That is interesting. I would try that. Yeah, and I'm I'm really mm. looking forward to so the indie beer festival is. Uh, yes. So I could only go on the Friday night because you know Eurovision. Eurovision. <laughs> We've discussed this with them, lads. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I'm so glad that uh, Drop Dead is a Drop Dead Brewing have a wheat beer in that. So the Dead Center or Dead Center. Oh, Dead Center. Center. Dead Center. Why am I saying yeah. Drop Dead Center? I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I have to say. Yeah, their their uh, their black IPA was beautiful. So I'm really looking forward to trying this wheat beer. Agreed. That was was that the stealth? Oh uh, yes, some, like, yes, it was so like good. That. Yeah. yeah, that was really nice. Mm. It was really nice. Mm. So yeah, if you guys had to choose now between, let's say the 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 first choice is between vice or that, which one do you choose? I'm a vice camp. Gosh, it, it's a hard one because I. I I think there are, I'm going to cheat. I think there are more good vices than good vits, mm. but I do love the good vits I love. So whether it's an Allagash White or, or one of the nice Belgian ones, I, I think that's where I'm going to go. But again, that said, I love a Dunkelweizen. I think it's hard. Mm. And that's not counting the other beers that have a wheat profile in them. So like your Berliner Weiss, and your Goza and and all of those. I mean, th- then you can get into that sort of territory anyway. But I think I'm with you, Katie. I'm more of a vice girl. Um, I I definitely like that. Uh, there's nothing better than a vice. A nice, like heavily carbonated, like it's very fizzy. And that's part of the style is to be highly yeah. carbonated, frothy, beautiful, like hazy beer, like in the sun. Um, it's just, you just can't a, beat that. In a beer garden, because we're going to have oh. our outdoor summer. Oh, yes. so, you know, the, yeah. that's the place for it. We just now need the weather. If we could yeah. drag, <laughs> drag Ireland down, you know, a little yeah, bit a towards degrees. the equator, it would be yeah. great. Oh, absolutely. Oh, what, what a yeah. great question, though. Absolutely. And I, I do wonder, too, if we're going to see more of that, that American wheat beer coming mm. into the Irish breweries, knowing that Hope is very successful with theirs. I wonder if other breweries are going to start adding it, mostly because you can really play around with it. It can be so versatile if, if you do it right. If you, again, if you, if you get it wrong, it can be very cloying or, you know, just, just too much. But I, I think it's an interesting playground where, again, you could say, oh, this time we're going to make it very German or this time we're going to make it very Belgian or maybe we're going to do just our own thing with it. So it is, it, it's, it gives the brewers, I think a lot of, uh, a mm. lot of room to play. I, I'm sure that, you know, when Whiplash comes out with something, it'll be amazing and we'll all just be like, Oh my God. But, uh, but again, it's not easy. You gotta, you gotta know what you're doing. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird because when you're making these kinds of beers now, I don't know about vits as much as I know about vices, but when you're making them, it's actually, it's a very simple kind of recipe. It's generally, mm. 50% wheat, 50% pulsner. Maybe you'll add something slightly uh, more just to add a bit of body or a bit of color, but not often. No. But what's actually tricky about making them is that they're made in a in a stepped way, like they've got a step mash. So right. there's different stages um, at which you rest the grains to get uh, to, to be able to break down the um, 
uh, to be able to break down the sugars and to do a protein rest and to do a, a, ph- a phenolic or ferulic acid rest. You do all of these weird little steps, which makes me think that th- there is definitely something to the way that Germans brew beer, because it can be a very simple recipe. But because of the way it's made, you know, that's the fourth ingredient is the process or the method. Mm. It, it comes, it's, it's just it's not simple at all. It's not a simple beer. Yeah. I mean, that's just now a vice, but, but uh, it's, it's so interesting to me how those things can affect the flavor and the taste. And they're all there to do something specific. So generally the first one is a ferulic, a ferulic rest to give you the clove. It, mm-hmm. it, it allows the clove to come through. Then there's a protein rest to make sure that all the sugars can come out and that things can be broken down. Then it's the next stage, which is the main mash. And then it goes slightly higher just to get any of the, to make sure that there's a little bit of sweetness. Like it's just, it's so it's so cool. It's so cool. I don't know. <laughs> Science. Absolutely. Science, man. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, so many interesting things. I don't know. Although uh, I feel like we're, we're, we're coming up on, on time late. Does anyone want to have a couple of final thoughts about anything else, you know, wheat beer inspired or any you're looking forward to? As you say, this summer, hopefully it'll be a little warmer. Mm. enjoy that over in our gardens when we can have is it four people we can have in the garden but coming i don't Same. yeah i don't know i don't even bother looking at the, well i do look at the roadmaps and then i'm like oh no it's so far away until we can have people over oh, it's no know. good <laughs> you know what i think i think my only last thought is that i i felt like at least um maybe in the early 2000s or whatever that was in south africa every every brewery like had a staple a number of beers that were just brewed all year round. So mm. it was like a stout, a parallel, an IPA, and maybe a red ale. But a vice was always one of them. Like you get so many vice beers in South Africa. No, they're not all good, but I mean, you get you just get them. Like it's as if every brewery was like, right, that's the stock standards. You know, like just do that. And I don't see that. I don't see as many here. Um, you actually mm. see a lot of German vice beers, which is great. Europe, yay. But, yeah. but it, it would be lovely to see a few, even if they were seasonal, because that's okay. Because you do, you want to drink them fresh and um, and, 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 and generally in, in warmer weather. So it would be nice to see a few more. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I echo that. I just, I don't think um, it's a loved style. It's like people just want to go mad on the IPAs and the porters. <laughs> and it's like, oh, come on. Absolutely. Give, give Hefeweizens a bit of love or a bit a bit of love, you know? Oh, why don't people think that they're boring? Yeah, I think people think that they're boring mm. and they're not at all. They're 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 wonderful. They're just delicate and that's okay. Absolutely. And I wonder too if there's, you know, all of this sort of hazy stuff has been maybe training for people to think, oh, hazy beers can really be really interesting, even if it's a mm. very simple, like a simple grain bill, you know, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. Maybe as as people get Again, I don't want to say like more sophisticated palates because that's very sort of judgy and, you know, a, a little too, um, what's the word, just a little too serious. But I think maybe as people get more used to those, they'll try other things that might be sort of historically hazy and yeah, give yeah. that a try and at least sort of be like, oh, this is this is different and kind of get away from, you know, just the the IPA, which is good. We love that. All all fantastic. But there's, there's a bigger world out there, you know, it'd be great to see people going out and, and trying that. And I, I think, I, again, I would, I would love to see more, more of it. There's on as a seasonal or, or like yeah. you say, just some of the vices. And especially like, I'm thinking like, when was the last time I've even seen a crystal vice? I, I don't I, know. Even years, a German one. Years and years. Yeah, exactly. I haven't seen them either. And it's a lovely style. 
So I, I love a crystal vice. Mm. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So as you can tell, we're all dreaming of beer gardens, thinking how nice would it be to be out in the sun, having to wear sunscreen, uh, just enjoying a little bit of, uh, you know, a drink or two out uh, socially distanced from other people, but still outside with other people. So folks, you know, brewers, maybe, maybe just put a couple of these in your summer lineup. It'd be lovely to try. And, uh, you know, barring that, you know, Germany, Belgium, go ahead and uh, send some more over to us. I think we'll be more than happy to take it off your hands. So I think with that, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and wrap up. But before we say goodbye again, we want to remind you to like, subscribe. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on YouTube. And I can't say we're on YouTube at Beer Ladies Pod yet until you subscribe. You, you, it could be you. So we really appreciate it if you do like, subscribe, share, leave a review. Uh, but otherwise, we will see you next time. So I'm Lisa. I'm mm-hmm. out. And over to you, Tandy and Katie. Bye, guys. It was lovely to chat. Absolutely. Bye. Till next time. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.